Karienfamid fasta ganaimid, tadera na guilta er lower, nil trok der kilkash na atayla, is niban fura klig gabra. From an Irish poem describing the clearance of woodlands from the Butler estate in Kilkash, Tipperary, in the 18th century. This is From the Roots. My name is Oral Nigul, and this week I'm talking about tree planting. Usually my goal is to take complex topics from environmental news and make them clearer. Unfortunately, in some ways in this episode, I'm going to be taking something that most people see as simple and making it more complex. One of the most common ideas when it comes to the environment, forests and climate change, is the idea that we just need to plant more trees, and that if we plant more trees, we can solve all our problems at once. Unfortunately, tree planting as an activity can sometimes do as much harm as good when the goal is healthy ecosystems. There are four main ways tree planting might not be the answer to a given environmental question. Wrong trees, wrong place, wrong reasons, and biosecurity, which I couldn't make fit the pattern. Wrong trees may seem obvious. The idea that it's important to plant native species has become more mainstream in recent years, but overwhelmingly it still isn't being put into action. From huge forestry projects to small garden centres, the majority of trees are non-native species. Part of the problem is that many people don't really understand what native species are or why that distinction matters. Generally speaking, we call a species native because it naturally occurred in a specific area without the interference of humans. This usually means that they have co-evolved with other species in these ecosystems and adapted over time to that region's soils, weather, humidity, pests, and diseases. There can be some disagreements over specific species. Sometimes it isn't clear how it arrived, in particular when it happened around the time of early human expansions. For the most part, those disagreements only make it to the news or mainstream conversation when talking about animal reintroductions. So we're sidestepping it for this episode, since we're talking about trees specifically. What trees are native to Ireland is a lot less contentious, and tends to only crop up when people argue over whether something like blackthorn is a tree or a shrub. There are around 26 native tree species, give or take a few different subspecies, and potential shrubs. But planting native goes further than just the species type. It's about growing from seed stock gathered from existing trees in Ireland, because those are the genetic variants best adapted to our environment. The argument for letting trees reseed naturally, by excluding the grazers and activities that stop them growing, is that it allows for a form of natural selection to choose which saplings succeed. It encourages trees that are well adapted to that hyper-specific location to thrive. There are also specific geographic locations in which planting trees is not appropriate. Planting on raised bogs, for example, rather than re-wetting peatlands, is generally not considered a good idea. Bogs are a complex ecosystem and valuable carbon store that should be protected in their own right by leaving them undrained and uncut. Blocking drains around formerly harvested bogs has led to really impressive restoration around the country. The Irish Peatlands Conservation Council and the Community Wetlands Forum are two groups that have done a lot of work in this area, and you can find out more from them. 
The mantra of needing the right trees in the right places has been taken up by a lot of advocates who have been campaigning against the spread of monoculture Sitka spruce plantations in rural areas across the country. So what's the story with these plantations? As I've said before, 11% of Ireland's land area is considered to be covered in forest, according to the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. That's around 770,000 hectares. Of that, 50.8 is in public ownership, mostly the state forestry agency, Quilcha. Quilcha's forest holdings are 71.2% conifers, and nearly three quarters of it less than 30 years old. Sitka spruce specifically makes up 51.1% of forest cover in the country, which is an insane monopoly for a single species to hold. I looked into the academic literature on whether Sitka spruce plantations negatively affect biodiversity outcomes, but I won't sit here reading it all out to you. As always, you can find the sources for this episode on fromtherootspod.com. One point from a 2017 article by O'Callaghan, Irwin, Byrne and O'Halloran was that not only did native trees form woodlands that support a much larger and more diverse range of dependent species, but a woodland that generated naturally performed this task measurably better than a planted woodland, even of native species. Sitka spruce is fast growing as a tree species, and so it can be harvested after 35 years, which is an impressive turnaround for forestry. It's also why such a big percentage of Ireland's forest cover is less than 30 years old. Previously, Quilcha maintained the majority of these plantations as complete monocultures, used a significant amount of pesticides and fungicides, and clear-felled as soon as they matured. Leitrim has the highest forest cover in the country, and communities there have been particularly outraged about the spruce plantations. Save Leitrim is a campaign that's been in operation for several years now on the subject. It gained more attention after there was a significant mudslide where spruce had been planted on a former cutaway bog but it slipped back out of media focus in recent times. Honestly, I think I'll need to come back to Quilcha and the place commercial forestry holds in our environment and our economy in a separate episode to really do this topic justice. I will say that I think there are people within Quilcha who have made some really positive changes to how their properties will be managed in the future, and forestry is complex, but a lot of the damage has already been done. So that addresses the idea of the wrong trees and the wrong places, but what about the wrong reasons? Isn't the potential effects more relevant than anyone's motivation? Well, sometimes the intention, especially if it's a widely publicised intention, can have all kinds of knock-on effects. This is most notable with carbon offsetting. Carbon offsetting is a theory that claims people can compensate for their emissions of carbon dioxide by paying others to either reduce emissions or absorb CO2. The most common form of offsetting is tree planting. Healthy forests do naturally absorb CO2 as they mature. The process of capturing and storing CO2, like what happens in forests, is called carbon sequestration. The process of natural carbon sequestration in vegetation and the ocean have been disrupted heavily by human activities, like pollution or deforestation or a vicious cycle of the knock-on effects of climate change itself. The appeal of carbon offsetting through reforesting is obvious restore forests, and reduce atmospheric carbon at the same time. Win-win. One major issue with this approach is that it allows fossil fuel companies or carbon-heavy industries to claim that they will be carbon neutral without meaningfully reducing the rate at which they emit. 
The carbon-altering effects of greenhouse gases, like carbon dioxide, is brought on by those gases accumulating in the atmosphere. Forests, on the other hand, sequester carbon at a much slower and less predictable rate than it's being produced. Every forest is different, and the amount of carbon stored and the speed at which it can be absorbed is highly variable. The second issue with offsetting as a model is longevity. Carbon released into the atmosphere stays there permanently. But forests only store carbon once they're allowed to mature and are protected from destruction. The average tree, though there's huge variety species to species, can take up to 20 years to capture the amount of CO2 that's usually advertised in these schemes. Very few of the projects plan for plant mortality or have sufficient safeguards in place to protect and manage the site. A number of well-publicised wildfires in 2021 destroyed vast areas of forest that had been planted for the purposes of carbon offsetting. New organisations appear every day, offering more and more affordable forms of offsetting, and many of them market themselves in wealthy countries and do their planting in poorer ones where there's significantly less oversight. This can make it difficult to distinguish between the genuine efforts from the scams. I looked at those organisations operating directly in Ireland last year for an article that I wrote that was published in the Irish Wildlife magazine. There are about 14 prominent eco-branded organisations offering tree planting services to individuals and companies that plant within Ireland. It wasn't possible for me to investigate groups that primarily operate outside the country. Of those 14 groups, half of them focus on mass tree planting as their main purpose or selling point, and the another two use the language of carbon offsetting specifically. Only three groups gave the protection or enhancement of biodiversity as their primary goal. This emphasis on planting as many trees as possible has resulted in short-term thinking in many places, the wrong trees being planted or being planted in locations with no plan for management or protection. For example, 50% of the surveyed organisations either had no land they were specifically taking responsibility for long-term or did not state the land acre in any public forums. Only four make their sites open to the public. There's also huge inconsistency in what's called carbon pricing. The models for how you price offsetting carbon varies wildly internationally. If you search online, you'll find schemes offering you a ton of carbon offset from $1 to $100 with little basis in real-world costs. This part of the trend carries through in Ireland as well. 64% of the tree planting organisations price their services per tree, and those prices range from between €1 and €40. The lower end of that scale raises particularly pressing questions regarding the sourcing of their tree saplings. I reached out to the organisation offering one euro per tree to ask them where they sourced what they were planting and did not receive an answer. To be perfectly frank, none of the Irish nurseries providing native bare root trees grown from Irish seed stock that I know of are likely to be able to produce at that price. And that's ignoring all the other associated costs in running any project. That particular organisation were not very forthcoming about how they were planting, and a lot of their photos were from the same location, same day, just posted over time with different filters and captions. I'm not in a position to tell you that this, or any organisation, is an intentional scam, as opposed to just a bad idea, but it is why I advise caution to anyone who asks me about this type of scheme. It's clear that some of these projects are relying on cheap trees imported en masse, which has a serious knock-on concern for forest biosecurity. After the wrong trees, the wrong place, and the wrong intentions, biosecurity is my fourth and final way that a tree planting project can do more harm than good. (music) 
Biosecurity is a blanket term used for measures taken to prevent the introduction or spread of harmful organisms, pests or diseases into a given region. This includes agricultural pests, invasive animal or plant species, and viruses such as famously for Ireland, foot and mouth disease. While the word is most commonly used to refer to plant and animal health, human health is also included. Failures in biosecurity have led to the spread of a number of diseases affecting forestry, most famously in recent years, ash dieback. The Department of Ag does have a plant health and biosecurity plan, which you can find linked in my sources, that focuses on preventing similar pests or infections from entering the country in future. Prevention is a lot easier than eradication. However, there just hasn't been much transparency from the department about those processes to date, and that's really necessary if we want things to improve. I'll talk more about biosecurity and invasive species in episode 6, because we've already covered so much ground in this episode. I worry that on one level, how I've presented this will come across very negative. It might seem pretty strange for someone who's dedicated a good part of their life to talking about the importance of woodlands and forest ecology to tell people not to plant trees. Ultimately, though, I think it's not entirely negative if it gives us a clear roadmap for what not to do. Next week, I'll be talking about nitrogen fertilizers, the pressure on farmers with their use and rising prices, and conflict over changing policies. Thanks for listening. From the Roots podcast is not associated with any groups, and any opinion which inevitably shapes the information provided is entirely my own. It's published under a Creative Commons, Attributation, Non-Commercial 4.0 International Public License.